0: church, we're so excited that you're here to worship with us. Would you stand as we prepare our hearts for worship? Lord, you are so good, and everything we do here today, God, is for is able to save and If you walk in freedom, and if you bear his name, we'll sing a song forever to the land the three.
1: Ephesians three twenty says, Now all glory to God who is able, through his mighty power at work within us, to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. I am speaking to the person this morning who is disappointed. You have been diligent in prayer, almost to the point of bargaining with God, saying, God, if you will do this, I will do that. And you're disappointed that it hasn't happened yet. God is saying you're not seeing the whole picture, but to trust him because he is protecting you and loving you. And there's no need to bargain with him. He desires to take care of you. All he wants from you is to seek him and have a relationship with him. There's nothing else you need to do. Matthew six thirty four says, Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything that you need. Abba, Father, we are so thankful that you are a good God that cares about our needs, and you will always take care of us. We love you so much in this house, and we want your will to be done and not ours. We pray that we become less and less, and you become greater and greater in this place. And it is in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
2: morning church if this is your first time visiting with us in person or online welcome we are so glad that you've decided to worship with us today at new covenant church we invite all people in the communities where we live to know hear and respond to jesus christ you can learn more about ncc become part of our church family or join our surf team by going to our connect class If you would like to bless what God is doing through the ministries at NCC with your tithes and offerings, you can use the offering boxes or give online at newcovenantlandpasses.com. If you'd like more information about what's going on here at NCC, please visit the Hub after the service. Again, we are so glad you are here with us this morning. Now, let's open our hearts to the Word.
3: are y'all this morning? Well, it is good to be with you, and we're so glad that you're with us this morning. Also, to those joining us online, welcome. We've got one announcement before we get into the Word. We won't be having uh, middle school or high school youth tonight with the Super Bowl going on, so if you're watching that, enjoy the time with your friends or family. If you're not, enjoy your time. <laughs> before we get into the Word, let's open with a word of prayer. Father God, Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you for who you are. Lord, as we seek to know you by by looking into your word, on on getting into your presence, Father, we invite you to be present with us this morning, although we might experience your manifest presence. Father I pray that you would inhabit the temples of our hearts, or that we would know you, that we would seek you with everything within us. Father, your word in Jesus Christ himself said that he would not leave us alone, that he would send us the Holy Spirit as a helper. Lord, not only to reveal all truth to us, but he said also to convict the world of sin and righteousness and judgment. And Father, I pray that the Holy Spirit would be present with us this morning, that he would bring revelation, even conviction of sin. Lord, I pray that anything that we have hidden, Lord, that you would bring to the light. Father, if we're here this morning without your presence, we're here for nothing. And if we live our lives without your presence, we live for nothing. Manifest yourself with us today. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, we're continuing this series on being in the presence of God. This was a tough one <laughs> to bring together. I have, a, I have a lot of scriptures that are I'll provide uh, on our website. If you go to our website under sermons, you can click on uh, this message and there will be an attachment with a whole bunch of passages. At one point I had whole books of the Bible in my notes. <laughs> Read Romans 6 and 7 and 8, <laughs> those chapters and those other passages that I had about anywhere from 20 to 30 verses, uh, and just couldn't, it was all speaking uh, what I felt the Lord was saying, and, and it was just so much, but like I said, it'll, it'll be out there, and there's only two scriptures up here on the screen, so I'll, I'll try to give you time to look in your Bibles or on your app this morning, but uh, again, all these scriptures will be in the notes online, so if you can't um, keep track of that, just, just listen, and Allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you this morning, and and then you could read all the other scriptures later, and even all the scriptures that I'm using. Again, it'd be the whole sections. I'm I'm going to read two or three verses, but it was really so much more. We've talked in in the last week and in the the Redemption series before that about how God has done everything that needs to be done, and Jesus Christ has done everything that needs to be done to allow us to have a relationship with him, to be able to go and be in his presence. And so really the question I was struggling with in this message is, so why don't we go? Why don't we spend time in his presence? What keeps us from spending time in the presence of God Why are we so content living most, if not all, of our days outside of his presence? Last week we talked about how Jesus Christ died and the veil was torn so that we would be able to go even into the Holy of Holies, into the very presence of God that he can dwell in the temple he's made within us. But we don't do that. We can hear the faint call of God's voice calling for us, And I I believe there's many, many times throughout my life that I've heard that cry calling to me to be with him, to spend time with him. And I just didn't answer. I just didn't go. Or I gave lip service to, uh, yeah, I believe you, yes, I love you, but then I wouldn't actually give him any time or spend time with him. I think one of the things that keeps us from Him is our failure to fully commit to Him, to fully submit our lives to Him. The Word of God says that uh, our relationship with Him, the bride of Christ, that we are literally married to Jesus Christ as the body of Christ, but so often I think we're content to date Him or not even give Him that much time. If we really want to be with someone, if we really want to have a relationship with Him, with them, we'll spend time with them. We'll be committed to them. This morning, just in my regular reading, i I came across in uh, Exodus. It's after the children of Israel had been uh, freed from Egypt, and they'd just come through the the dead or the Red Sea that had been parted. They'd walked across on dry land. They'd seen this amazing miracle. They're seeing the, the presence of God in a cloud of fire at night and in a physical cloud in the day. And Moses has gone up to the mountain to get the Ten Commandments, to get the law, the written law of God. This is the first time anything is going to be written down. And before he can get back down, they break the first law. They haven't even received it yet. They don't know what's going to be on it. But the very first thing that God wrote down was, have no other God before me. And Moses has gone too long for their liking. And they go to Aaron and they say, hey, here's some gold. Will you make us a God so that we can worship it? And when they do, they say, it's a golden calf. And they say, He brought us out of Egypt. And that's Moses then comes down, you may may or may not know that story, account, it really happened. I was reminded of when I was in high school, I've shared before, that I felt like I was called to ministry when I was 13 years old. And when I was a 17 or 18 years old and a, a senior in high school, I remember uh, a pastor and his wife, I think there were missionaries coming to our church and preaching. Uh, I remember going up for prayer. I don't remember who they were, or where they were from, but I do remember what uh, his wife told me after I'd gone up for prayer. She, I think she gave me a word and, and then also said, seek the Lord, pray. Read the Bible. Spend time with Him. She was encouraging me to seek Him. And I knew I needed to. I knew I was supposed to. But I still didn't do it like I knew that I should. I still didn't follow Him like like we're all called to. To be in relationship with Him. And I... So at the close of the last message, I'll start out with this one. If you've got kids, and I know many of you have kids, we can tell them stuff, we can give them advice, we can tell them things they need to know and that their life would be so much better off if they would do it, but there's nothing that we can do to make them do it. They have to choose to. We're presenting the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, and it's true. And I, I, if there was anything that I could do to convince you, to convince the young people, to convince you of however old you are, it's not too late to seek Him and to be in a relationship with Him and to know Him better than you have ever known Him before, but you've got to seek Him. If there was anything I could do to convince you of that, I would that you have to choose. And we're going to talk about how that choice is at the very root of whether or not we're going to move forward in that relationship with God. And Jesus Christ Himself both made the way for our restoration and showed us how to respond properly in this relationship with God at the same time. And we're going to look at that in Matthew 26 36 through 30, 44, there's only going to be two scriptures up there because I didn't know which ones I was going to use. Matthew 26, 36, it's the account of Jesus uh, right before he's going to go through the, to the crucifixion in the Garden of Gethsemane. Gethsemane. It says then Jesus went with them to a place called Gethsemane, and he said to his disciples, Sit here where I go while I go over there and pray. And I hope you know that prayer and what Jesus was doing was just talking to God. It's talking to the Father. He went to talk to God. And he came to the disciples and found them sleeping. And he said to Peter, So could you not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Again for the second time he went away and prayed, My father, if this cannot pass unless I drink it, your will be done. And again he came and found them sleeping, for their eyes were heavy. So leaving them again, he went away and prayed for the third time, saying the same words again. So I'm going to admit something I've never heard any other pastor admit before on on this passage and speaking of this passage. I've heard throughout my life that the cross, like Jesus was... Agonizing over the cross, over the knowing he was going to be whipped, knowing he was going to be beaten, knowing that he was going to be spat upon, knowing that he would suffer on the cross—that it was about that physical pain that was in his mind. And other people have, have even said many that I've read—they they always describe that like—and I I think they're just trying to to say you know he was taking on our sin, so it had to be. It, 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 it had to be the most excruciating death. It had to be the worst death that there's ever been. I've read plenty of books on martyrs of the faith who the descriptions of their death, the length of the time that it took, the amount of punishment and torture that they went through, some lasting weeks and months, if not years, before the people that were torturing them finally decided to kill them. I remember one, they would make a guy stand for like 24, 36, 48 hours, stand still in one place till his legs swelled like, like trees. They would bring these people to the point, to the brink of death, and then they would treat them so they would get well so they could do it again. That's what humanity has done to other humans. And I can't read those stories and those accounts and then say, like, and and Scripture does say that being hung on a tree, that is cursed. Cursed is the man who would be hung on a tree. And there's a curse that God put on that speaking of what would happen to Jesus. So again, it's not to diminish that in any way, shape, or form. But I can't imagine that those people that suffered for months and years wouldn't have said, hey, sign me up for the 24-hour if I can just end it. So that doesn't explain the amount of excruciating agony that Jesus Christ was going to face. And again, other people have faced that kind of torture. But no one, no one has ever faced what Jesus Christ faced. He was going to take on the sin of the world. He was going to receive our punishment, the justice of God being done on him. He would take it fully upon himself. And for all eternity, he had never had a moment where he wasn't in constant communication and relationship with God. God of the Father, God of the Son, God of the Holy Spirit, one in total unity. But the Son was going to take on this sin, take on this judgment on Himself. And that communion, that relationship, something that we're all too comfortable with not having at all. We can be so comfortable without the presence of God. But just the thought. And we don't know what kind of time passed in that moment, whether it was a moment or whether it was the three days before He was resurrected. We don't know. We don't know. And we read last Sunday how the omnipresence of God, the presence of God that is in heaven, and it says we can't even go to hell and be, or, or any place and not be in that, uh, it says uh, Sheol, and be outside of the presence of God. So Jesus Christ wouldn't have been out of the omnipresence of God, but I believe in that moment he was outside of the manifest presence of God. And that had never happened, not for a moment. In 2 Corinthians 5.14, if you have your Bible, this outlines that whole picture in one passage. For the love of Christ controls us, because we have concluded this, that one has died for all, Jesus Christ, therefore all have died. Therefore, and every, we know this verse, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. And that's really what this whole message is about. That verse right there says, the old has passed away. 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Yeah, second half of 17. The old has passed away. I've got a question for you this morning. Has it passed away in your life? Has the old passed away? Has the life of the flesh passed away? Because the, the Word of God says it can. It says that it can be crucified. Just like Christ Jesus was crucified. And be dead and buried, never to live again. Behold, the new has come, not in the future, not one day, now, in Christ Jesus. All this is from God, verse 18, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses, not counting our trespasses against us and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making His appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. That's what the disciples were doing. They were imploring people on behalf of God through the work that Jesus Christ had done to be reconciled to Him. Verse 21 For our sake, Jesus Christ, it says He, Jesus Christ, I'm sorry, He, the Father, God the Father, made Him, Jesus Christ, to be sin, who knew no sin, so that in Him, in Jesus Christ, we might become the righteousness of God. That's what Jesus was agonizing about. That's what was tearing him apart to the point of death. Thinking about, he didn't know what it was going to be like at that point. It never happened. He was going to become sin who knew no sin. The one who had never done anything wrong ever was going to become it for our sake. So that in Christ we might become the righteousness of God. Matthew 27, 40 through 45-46 through 46 shows us the other side of after that prayer in Gethsemane. After the torture, after He's on the cross, it says, Now from the sixth hour there was darkness over all the land until the ninth hour. Three hours of total darkness. Verse 46, And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, Lema Sabachthani, that is my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And the next thing He utters is in verse 50, And Christ cried out again with a loud voice and yielded up His Spirit. And behold, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom, and the earth shook and the rocks we're split. There's so much that, that we can't understand or comprehend. And there's theologians that would argue that no, you know, God did not turn his back on Jesus or that there was never any separation. But whatever happened, Jesus Christ felt forsaken by God the Father. It was real in that moment, and we don't know if it lasted a moment or days or three days, but it happened. And like I said, that's what I believe he was sweating drops of blood about. That's what he was agonizing about. That's the cup that he was asking God the Father, if it can pass, if my relationship, if our relationship doesn't have to be broken for a moment, then let it be so. But if this has to happen, if this is the cup that I have to drink, then let it be so. Your will be done. And that's the example that Jesus Christ gave on the cross that's for us. We have to submit ourselves to the cross like Christ submitted Himself to the cross in obedience to the Father, not for the punishment of sin. We can't die for our own sin. We talked in the Redeeming series about how how we can pay the price, but that price that we pay is going to be death. Total separation from God forever. We, we can pay that price, but not to be in relationship with God. Jesus Christ paid that price. But there's something of us that's supposed to die on the cross. And that's ourself, Our flesh. It must be put to death so that we might be alive in Christ. 1 Peter 2.24 says, He Himself, Jesus Christ, bore our sins in His body, on the tree, so that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. That's what He died for. To make that possible. Romans 6.11-13, and I mentioned... You can read the whole chapter. He says, So you must also consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Let not sin, therefore, reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. Do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and your members to God as instruments for righteousness. We can bring ourselves to God. We can consider our flesh dead on the cross with Christ and ourselves alive to God in Him. In Luke 9, 23 and 24, Jesus said, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. And a few chapters later in Luke 14, Jesus said, Whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. They weren't picking up their cross to pay for their sins. Jesus Christ was going to take that. But we have to daily, Jesus says, submit our flesh to the cross so that he might keep it dead and that we might reign and live in the righteousness that He has acquired for us. Galatians 2.20 says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me. Galatians 6, but Verse 14, But far be it from me to boast, except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. The world has been crucified to me and I to the world. Do we see this if we look around at the body of Christ today? Do we see people truly submitting their whole life, seeking after Him with everything they have, with all that is within them, to seek the presence of the Lord, to follow Him with everything they have? Or do we commit adultery on Him over and over and over and over again and just say, that's just the way it is. He forgave me so that when I die, I'll go to heaven, but there can be no victory in this life, in this flesh. That's not what the Bible says. But who can honestly say, and I'm talking to myself, that we've really sought Him with everything that we have and with everything within us, that we have loved Him with a fraction of the love that we show for ourself, the lusts of our flesh, the desires of our flesh that we still just let live rampant. Romans 6, 1-8, through 8, it says, What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we, who died to sin, still live in it? He's asking a serious question there. How can we who died to sin, who let our flesh be crucified like Christ was crucified for us, if we are dead to it, how can we still live in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into His death Verse 6, we know that our old self was crucified with Him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For one has died, has been set free from sin. Now if we have died with Christ, we believe that we also will live with Him. We can believe this. It's true. But believing it with our mind, saying it with our mouth, is completely different from walking it out. There's plenty a spouse who says they love their husband or wife, but then show them no love. We can easily say we love God. We're seeking Him. We want a relationship with Him. But then do absolutely nothing in reality to seek that relationship. Romans 8, 12-13 says, So then, brothers, we are debtors not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. By the Spirit. It's not something we do. We can't crucify ourselves. This isn't something that we can do on our own. It's following Christ's example of submission to the Father. He didn't want to do it. He said, if there was any other way, let it pass. But if not, I will submit my life to you to be crucified, that your will would be done. And the will of God for us in Christ Jesus is that we would submit our flesh, our self, not to pay for sin, but to be resurrected, we have to be dead first. And we can submit our our sin, our flesh to the Father that it might be crucified on the cross. And that in Christ Jesus, we would come alive to Him. That we can walk and live in Him, in the power of the Holy Spirit. And He will do the work. But we actually have to mean it. And there's nothing, like I said earlier, there's nothing that I can say or do other than to say it. God and the Holy Spirit has to get your heart, convict your heart, turn your heart to to seek after Him, to love Him with everything that's within you. No one else can do it for you. No one else can convince you. Titus 2, 11 through 14 says, For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions, and to live self controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age. Does that sound familiar? Can you look around yourself and find plenty of examples in the body of Christ? that are living that kind of life? I'm ashamed to say I don't think I can. But the Word of God says that is what Jesus Christ died for. That's the salvation He's brought for all people that we can renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives In the present age, now, while we're alive, before this flesh actually physically dies. Verse 13, waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave Himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for Himself a people for His own possession who are zealous for good works. That word zealous means most eagerly desirous of. To be zealous of good works. If you were to ask yourself the question, what am I most eagerly desirous of? Would good works cross your mind? Would seeking after God cross your mind? Everything other than that, everything than a relationship with God that would cross our mind will point us right to where we still have some of our flesh alive and well. Our self-sins, our selfishness, the things that we put before God, the things that drove the people of Israel just within days of Moses going up on the mountain to say, make us another God that we can worship it. That is what we do on our own. But if we can hear the faintest call of God calling us into a relationship with Him, we have the possibility to respond to it, to hear it, to turn to Him, and He will come to us. He says if we seek Him, we will find Him. But we've got to seek Him The question this morning is, have we presented ourselves, our flesh, to be crucified? Like Jesus Christ submitting himself to the cross, we have to submit our flesh to God to be crucified. We can't teach the flesh out of our lives. We can't. There's plenty of people, self-righteous people. Self-righteousness is one of the things that needs to die on that cross. There's plenty of people who can look at others and the sin in the world and point fingers and say how God's going to judge those things while they themselves are doing those very things. There's countless pastors, well-known pastors, who have been uh, caught in adultery and other sins while they were standing in the pulpit preaching preaching against those very things. It's easy to say. It's easy to cry out against sin and self and, and the flesh in order to appear good and righteous. But do we really hate those things? And it's actually very easy to cry out against those things and against those sins and still allow them to live in our house, to live in our life, and to live in our heart. But if we're honest enough to be open to the voice of the Holy Spirit and the presence of God and to hear Him talking to us about those things, about that self that is still alive and well in us, that we can respond like Christ and say, this is hard. This is the only life I know. But I'm willing to lay it down on the cross that you will crucify it, that you will render this flesh dead, mortify it. The scripture says that we're to mortify the flesh. We lay it down, we submit it to God that it might be killed so that we might be resurrected in Christ Jesus in this present age and for all eternity. Psalm 42, one through two says, as the deer pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. My prayer is that our souls would thirst for him that we would seek him with everything that we have and that we would make a decision this morning. As we were in worship in the first service, God brought this passage to mind. It's 1 Kings 18, 20 20 through 22. And I I would say this sums up the whole response. This was when Elijah had called for the people up on the mountain and called the prophets of Baal And said, so Ahab sent to all the people of Israel and gathered the prophets together at Mount Carmel. And this was because the people were worshiping false gods. Verse 21, and Elijah came near to all the people and said, how long will you go limping between two different opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. And the people did not answer him a word. They didn't respond to that challenge it wasn't until after the the prophets of Baal would fail and the literal fire of God would fall down and consume that sacrifice that they fell down and repented but that's the question for this morning if God is God follow him if you're going to seek the world and yourself and your flesh and, and Satan and believe the lie then follow him Stop flipping in between two decisions. Pick one. Father God. Holy Spirit. Manifest your presence among your people. Not just at New Covenant Church in Lampasas, Texas, but in every place that your body is gathering. Father, we need you. Nothing is going to change this world other than you. Nothing's going to change our lives other than your presence. Father, I pray that there would be a decision in your body, in the body of Christ, that we would choose this day or to follow you or go our own way, that we would make up our mind. But God Almighty, I pray. That you would do the work in our life. That we might lay down the flesh once and for all to submit it to you, that it might be crucified and that in Christ Jesus, we would be resurrected to life, new life, totally new from this day forward and forever and that we would seek you with all of our heart, all of our strength, all of our mind, with everything that is within us, God and that we would never turn back again. Holy Spirit, do a work. Let us respond to you. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. As you stand and worship, the ministry teams are available to pray with you. Please respond to the Lord this morning to whatever the Holy Spirit is speaking to you. desires you like you desire us. Jesus called us to deny our flesh and ourself and to pick up our cross daily. I pray that the body of Christ, Lord, would be obedient to his command. Father, we submit every part of our flesh to the cross this morning. And we ask that you would crucify it we don't want to protect it anymore. We don't want to protect ourself or our flesh anymore, Lord. Let it die that we might live in Christ Jesus. Cleanse the temple of our souls. Come dwell within them that we may be in your presence forever. In the name of Jesus Christ, we Teams are still available. God bless you. I just, my prayer is that you will seek His presence.